Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome back to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Katie Beth Hand, and today's guest needs no introduction. Stan Miller, thank you so much for joining me. Katie Beth, I'm looking forward to this. So before we jump in, we wanted to take just a moment to wish all of our listeners Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. It has been an incredible year for us at Your Life, Your Legacy and at the Legacy Leaders Podcast, and we have been so blessed to meet and interview so many wonderful people that are out there making an impact on the world. So we are thankful for all of you who have tuned in to join us in that mission this year, and we are looking forward to an even more incredible 2024. As you can tell, this is not our usual format. Normally, Stan and I interview guests together, and today I'm actually interviewing Stan, and that is because Stan has his own mission that we really wanted to take some time to talk about here at the end of the year. So our project we're discussing today is actually the Cars for Ukraine project. We've done a podcast on this previously, so take a few minutes and check that out. But in the meantime, Stan, for those who may not have listened, give our listeners a little bit of background about what sparked your interest in Ukraine and how you got connected. So I subscribe to a newsletter service and and I read it pretty regularly. And one day I'm reading it, I get halfway through and this guy's talking about some investment stuff and halfway through it stops and he starts talking about his cars for Ukraine initiative. And he has a picture of him there with some young Ukrainian soldiers. And he talks about how they're raising money to buy used, actually not cars, but actually used trucks, medical supplies, blankets, and uh, good old American Goodyear tires. And they're driving these trucks from Estonia all the way to Kiev. So it turns out that the guy who writes this newsletter actually lives in Estonia, and he's part of a group of young entrepreneurs that decided the day the day the Russians invaded Ukraine, decided they had to do something because, as he explained it to me, there's a real sense of vulnerability. They believe that Russia is on this expand is really in this expansionist mode, and that. If they let the Russians get away with what they're doing in Ukraine, it will fuel their desire to come to Estonia and to the other Baltic states and Poland and Slovenia, other other countries too, invade them. So they view this as defensive. And that I had not really paid that much attention to this. I was aware that the Russians had invaded. And I guess when I saw what he was doing, I don't know, it was just in, in that moment, it just struck me as something... I could actually do. It didn't require me organizing anything. It didn't require me doing any fundraising work. It was just a matter of, I I can buy a used truck. And I thought I'd really like to actually have the experience of handing the keys to that truck to the Ukrainian soldier that's going to be driving it. And so I sent him a message and he called me and I said, here's the deal. I'll buy a truck, but you got to let me drive it. And he was like, go with that. So 
I went up last February and we drove, we did the 35 hour drive from Estonia to Kiev and we delivered the keys to 11 trucks to Ukrainian soldiers with, and really for me, it was an unforgettable experience because they have winter in Ukraine. It's pretty amazing. And it's really cold. And so these guys are over in Eastern Ukraine fighting a war on foot. They're in trenches and whatever, but they're having to walk around didn't have, don't have a vehicle, right? And that's one of the things that they haven't been supplied. And so these vehicles give them a way to get around. It gives them a way to take people who are injured uh, quickly, quickly to medical units and they have heaters in them. So now these guys actually have transportation that's warm and, and you really appreciate that on a day when it's uh, 10 degrees. So I did that and, uh, and I got to hand the keys to my truck to a Ukrainian soldier who was standing there, literally, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This, this guy was very quiet about it, but I'd looked and there were tears streaming down his face. Just the gratitude of getting a seven-year-old Mitsubishi truck with 80,000 miles on it produce that kind of reaction. And so it did really, it did really connect me. And so I, long story short, I, I decided to go back again over Thanksgiving and do it again. And that's what I did. So we, we joined up again with the group over Thanksgiving and we took 12 trucks, but uh, one broke down. So we only got there with 11, but we did it again. And we put them in a parking lot and on an incredibly cold day, handed the keys out to soldiers again. A very powerful trip both times, I'm sure. So between February and November, obviously the war has been raging consistently. Tell us some of the differences you noticed between the trip that you had in February and what you saw in Ukraine versus the trip that you just recently had over Thanksgiving in November. Yeah, so a couple of differences. One of the things I'll tell you, we spent quite a bit of time with the soldiers when we were there in February. I don't really remember hearing the word drone used. Maybe it was, but I, I'm not recalling it. But I will tell you, when I was there over Thanksgiving, that was all everybody talked about. This has become, in many ways, a, a drone war. And it, it's really who has the best drones, who has the most drones. And, and we got to see a, a drone demo. And we had the guys that really run the drones show us how it works. We got to go out at, to a secret location. And I got to put the mask on where I could actually see the, they had the drone flying. So I got to actually watch what the guy sees who's flying the drone, right? So I'm seeing the world from the camera that's on the drone. And so that's, it turns out that, that the drone thing has become like a huge part of the way the war is running. This is like a new innovation. This has never happened before. This is, you know, a, a brand new way of fighting wars. Yeah, it's easy for us as Americans, we're over here, we're isolated. There's no war, but no signs of war, really. You read about it in the news, you might catch it on the news. But otherwise, I don't feel like for most Americans, they really feel the deep impact of everything that is going on in Ukraine and in the world at large. Why should we as Americans really care about what happens in Ukraine? Yeah, I've thought a lot about that. And I've talked to the Ukrainian soldiers about that too. And, not, and so I've said to them, this is, Americans do have a hard time because we have this big Atlantic Ocean that separates us from Europe. And it seems like this is halfway around the world. And if you aren't watching the news, you don't even really know the war is happening, but we're all connected now. And so 
what happens is that if, if the Russians are successful in this invasion and they take over Ukraine, of course, partly what happens is there's just there's just there's going to be so much there are going to be so many people killed and hurt. I, I was in I was in Bucha both times when I was there. Bucha is a town just outside of Kiev that the Russians occupied for a couple months before the Ukrainians finally ran them out, I think in April of, of last year, 2022. And uh, I saw pictures of people just shot on the street. It made such an impression on me. I, never, I saw a photograph of a woman who had to be, she had to be 80 years old you know, in a coat because it was winter and she had a you know, headscarf on. She had been to the market and she had bought pasta to make, she was coming home for dinner with pasta. And I saw this picture of her lying on the side with the pasta just there beside her. So some Russian soldier had just shot her and they shot like a thousand civilians and took them up to the, this two or three acre parcel of ground that was located just behind this Ukrainian Orthodox church. And they dug it, they dug a trench and just threw the bodies in and covered them up. And it was like that. There was just no, no, no respect for life. They treated these Ukrainians as animals, and or maybe worse than animals. We wouldn't. I can't imagine Americans doing even what they did to animals. And that's what's going to happen if the Russians are able to, to to follow through on this invasion. If the Ukrainians run out of ammo, which right now it looks like they're well on their way to doing, the Russians move in. You're going to see things like that happening all over Ukraine. There, there will be thousands and thousands of people that are going to be killed, injured, and raped. You're going to see children stolen from families and sent off to Russian families. This is what they've been doing. And if they're successful, they'll do this in spades. Right. But beyond that, how does it impact us? You know, beyond just you know, being humans, and I think as humans, I think we have a need to stand up to evil when we see it and do what we can to stop it. But from a more selfish perspective, I think if they're successful at this, I think it, it, it emboldens the Russians to move into the Baltic states and Poland, to Slovakia and, and, and Georgia. And because Putin has this whole vision of reestablishing the, the Russian empire, being the next Peter the Great. And, and if you talk to the Estonians... Who, if you go to Estonia now, it's an incredible place. It's a free enterprise country. They have low taxes. It's business friendly. Everybody there has their startup business. There's just such a such a spirit of entrepreneurship and enthusiasm. You know, operating in a free democracy, the thought of losing all of that because the Russians come in and you know, and take it back over is terrifying to them. And for us. We, as Americans, we know that the Baltic states are part of NATO, and if the Russians invade, we're bound by treaty to send troops, to, to send American military guys in airplanes and actually defend Estonia from that. And so I think that showing weakness now and allowing the Russians to succeed here really fuels this, this ambition. I think it also sends a message to the Chinese we watch the news every day and we wonder what's going to happen with Taiwan. Are the Chinese going to cross the straits and invade Taiwan and take that over uh, like they've been threatening to do? I know that there's a full court press 
campaign now going on Chinese television to build momentum for the idea of a of an invasion in Taiwan. And I think the Chinese have have not done it because of of fear of what the U.S. response would be, both militarily and economically. But if we show weakness here, we send a message to the Chinese that uh, maybe we won't step in. Maybe we're not going to be there to defend the Taiwanese. And so I think that uh, the thought that that we can somehow avoid being involved in, a, in another world war by showing weakness here is just uh, delusional thinking. And it's so reminiscent of the kind of thinking that was pervasive in the U.S., in 1937 and 1938, there was this whole idea of if we just let Hitler go take the Sudetenland, maybe he'll be happy with that and he'll stop there. And that's where we all remember the story of Prime Minister Chamberlain goes to cut this deal with Hitler, and that lasts about three minutes. And we know how that story ended. So before long, the whole world's in this war, including us. So we're not going to buy peace through weakness here. I think this is where we have to stand up. And now's the perfect time to do it because the Russian army is substantially weakened as a result of what the Ukrainians have done. And now if they really get the backing they need, they actually do have the I mean, the, the real potential to actually really win this thing and really push the Russians back out and send a really powerful, compelling message that the world needs to hear from us. And this is a moment when we really have to get this right. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I've learned certainly this year from everyone we've interviewed on this podcast, and I feel like you've learned this as well, is that nobody can step out and solve all of the world's problems. But the people really making a difference are the people that are using whatever tools or connections or resources they have available in their own realm to make a positive difference. Those small things can add up and really change lives. And so I certainly see that with this as well. You can't go out and and win the war on your own. You can't get Congress to take a stronger stance, but you can provide soldiers with vehicles, drones, medical supplies, blankets, tires. Those are all things that Cars for Ukraine provides for these soldiers. So for our listeners that might be interested in driving in the convoy or just making a donation to that, how can our listeners get involved with this project? And what would what are your thoughts on that? How would you encourage our listeners to, to become a part of this? Yeah, so we set up a website and it's really easy. It's carconvoy.org. That's carconvoy.org. And you can go there and make a contribution. It's now, we set up a 501c3, so your contribution's tax deductible. The money goes into an account in our bank here in Arkansas. And then periodically, I, whenever we get enough money in there, I wire the money to our colleagues over in Estonia, and they take that money, and they go out and they buy they buy trucks. Not new trucks, used trucks. These trucks are five, six, seven years old. They've got... 70, 80, 90,000 miles on them. They take them to shop. They have mechanics do do the work over so that you know, they're mechanically sound. We paint them in camo. We put flags on the side. So like the, the truck I drove had a Ukrainian flag and an American flag. So the Finnish guys, they had the Ukrainian flag and the Finnish flag. So everybody drove the truck that had you know their flag on it. We also buy a whole bunch of spare Goodyear 
tires and mud tires. And that's a big deal because in, in the front, it gets really muddy. I got to tell you, after two or three months after I delivered my truck in February, I got a video from the soldier that I gave the truck to. And he, he, it was like a one minute video. And he just tells a story about how he was using the truck in Bakhmut. You remember, you probably remember Bakhmut. That's the, the town that's it's been essentially obliterated, but they, he was fighting in Bakhmut and it was really wet and muddy. And there were some people that were injured and they were using this truck to rescue those people. And, and he said, thanks Thanks to the fact that I had a four-wheel drive vehicle with mud tires, this truck saved my life. And it saved the life of my comrades who were in the truck with me. So I feel like you're right. What I do, I may not be able to change the outcome of the war, but you know what? If I saved a guy's life, then it was worth the time and the investment. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we actually have that video from the soldier posted on carconvoy.org as well, if you want to check that out, as well as a video from Stan's original trip in February about the 35-hour convoy that they did to deliver the first round of vehicles. There's a lot of great information. You can find out more about how we use your donations and donate through the website there as well. Stan, thank you again for being on the show. And for our listeners, Thank you again for listening and joining us on all of these adventures this year. We hope that you have a wonderful holiday week. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Katie Beth Hand and my very special guest, Stan Miller. Don't forget to learn more about Cars for Ukraine. You can visit carconvoy.org. And Stan, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Katie Beth. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.